<laughs> Good afternoon, Wednesday at noon. I'm so glad that you have joined us on YouTube Live or Facebook Live. Today I'm in the studio with my wife. We are going to be doing question and answers all hour long. My name is Tim. Her name is Cheryl. That guy over there, his name is Chris. And this is The Deep End. Okay, it is Wednesday live at noon, and we do this Deep End podcast here at Waters Church every week because this is a time when we can dive deep into uh, the things that matter to you regarding faith, regarding life, regarding today, marriage, family, children, the whole deal. I'm excited to have you here with me, Cheryl. Are you? I am. <laughs> okay. I am excited to have you with me. Um, and then Chris over here, if you see him in the background. I'm excited too, yes. He's asking the questions, and he's going to be... Uh, giving us those questions, and we're going to answer them. So the other thing is you can ask questions uh, any way you uh, are able, which is through the comments section on Facebook or YouTube, and through the 508-316-9333 number, 508-316-9333. That's the Deep End Podcast question line. So Cheryl, um, welcome to the Deep End, and uh, welcome to... Uh, this question and answer. Well, thank you. Anything that you would like to say right off the bat before we get to the questions? No, I'm just happy to be part of this and hopefully we'll be able to answer your questions and be of some help. Yeah, uh, so we can get right to the questions today. Um, Chris, uh, we talked about marriage this past weekend yeah. and I think it went over pretty well. A lot of oh. people seemed to like what was going on with uh, the message. <laughs> yeah, a lot of great feedback, and we already have a lot of questions that came in just from uh, you guys from the weekend. That's great. And Cheryl, you did a great job being up there with me. Yeah. Did you enjoy <laughs> being up there? Um, let me think about that for a second. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, it was fun. It was it. really fun. We had a very nice time up there, very relaxed. You know, yeah. We were just trying to be ourselves and just letting people know we're a lot like you. And uh, we wrestle with the same struggles that yeah. married couples wrestle with. We've been there. We've seen it happen to us. We can know we know what happens to you. And, and marriage is going to be the one relationship of your life that's going to challenge you uh, in ways that you never knew you could be challenged. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And you said that, oh, yeah, kind of confidently, Cheryl. <laughs> well... I'm trying to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so in the in the Facebook comments, let us know. And, and if we're answering a question, you need more clarification. Please, as we're answering, ask for the clarification because we don't want to leave you out in the dark if we can't, if we if we can help it. Um, so questions, let's get to them. Let's do it. Let's go. First Chris. question. My husband is always accusing me of cheating when I'm not. How can I make things work after 21 years of marriage? Okay, well, right off the bat, this is why I like having my wife up here with me, because this is a woman's question. Mm. And Cheryl, coming from a woman's perspective, what are your well, thoughts? Well, first of all, I have to say 21 years is a long time. That is a long time. And that's great that, you know, it's, that it's lasted this long, especially in today's culture and society. Even if it's been difficult. Yeah, even if it's been difficult. Um, but what I would like to say is that if your husband is suspecting this, are there... Things that you can do to help him um, be more confident or yeah. assure him. Why is so he are you Exactly. So, you know, without knowing your full situation, it's a little bit hard to answer. But are you being open with, with everything? Are you like on Facebook, mm. on Instagram, all those kinds of social media things? Are you being open? 
and honest. Um, and Cheryl and I, we are big believers in the social media login information must be shared mm-hmm. between husband and wife. Oh, yeah. Well, we don't even... We don't have we Facebook. We don't have Facebook. But uh, I have Twitter. We have Instagram. But, you know, we are... There's no... That what I'm saying, there's no, there's no secret secrets. account. Right. So you're, back to your point is there must be something that you're doing that's right. leading him to ask this question? Um, or leading you to, leading him to... So as it. a man, how would you answer that? Well, as a man, I would say, well, speaking to the woman, I would say, what back you up, which is basically to say, do whatever it takes to make sure that he feels that you are not. Secure. And, uh, yeah, secure. Do you need to see my phone, honey? Do you need to know my accounts? Do you need to know my passwords? Uh, yeah. How about giving him um, unfettered access to your phone at any moment? Because the phone is a big deal today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a real gateway to yeah, a I lot agree. of promiscuity, and we've got to be careful about this. And that is a huge source of contention for a lot of married couples. So you've got to open yourself up to him to make sure that he sees there is nothing else. Now, here's another idea. Maybe he's the one. That's cheating. Yeah, I was just thinking uh, that. You were just <laughs> thinking that too? Same thing. Is that interesting? <laughs> yeah. So maybe he's doing some things he shouldn't do and he is projecting onto you yeah. his own guilt, which in that case, gosh, I hope I didn't make your life more difficult by saying that, but uh, I might have. <laughs> well, I guess what we're trying to say is you have to do everything that you can to um, be open in, and honest in the marriage and then if necessary, get counseling where both of yeah. you guys would have a mediator or Christian. somebody, uh, Christian counseling. Somebody else can look into the marriage and see if and know. get more specifics because yeah. that's the one thing I would say about this question is it's very vague. Right. What's happening that's causing him to question that? Secondly, tw- and you ask this question: How can I make it work after twenty-one years? Sure. Well, how you've can made I make it, it work, work for twenty-one you've years. Made it so work. Just yeah. Keep fighting. Yeah. Keep what have fighting. you? What did you do in the past to make it work at sixteen years? At fourteen years? And yeah. you know, a lot of couples might ask us, Cheryl. You know, when does the struggle stop? Like. Because this is 21 years. When you die. Exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. When you die. (laughs) Till death do us part. Uh, Well, I think what happens is they get easier. They do get easier. And you start to... Like each other more. You start to like each other more. But you also start to have less... Um, I think intensity about your disagreements. I don't know. Yeah, you get... You You kind of lay off. You mature. Yeah, you lay off about every little thing. And uh, that just takes time. Yeah. It took time. It's taking time for us. I think if you can give it 10 years... Yeah. And there's things that are always going to bug us about each other. That's just, I mean, if you've ever seen an old married couple, they still kind of like joke about that, you yeah. know? He does this, she does that, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I think that's the best kind of couples, though, that where they can kind of mention their, their aggravations with each other and is not a source of contention. Like, aggravation does not have to equal well, contention. Well, it's like we said earlier uh, on Sunday, it's made up of two, not great, not two great people, but two great forgivers. Two great forgivers. So you got to just learn how to forgive and move Forward. Yeah, and that's a that's a that's an important thing. You gotta forgive. You gotta let go. What does forgive mean? It does mean that you do not hold that person accountable to what they've done to you uh, when you know they've apologized. Do they need to apologize? Well, they should apologize. Adults apologize, especially people who want to stay married. They apologize mm-hmm. for their faults. What are their faults? That's another question. Is their faults have to be biblical faults? It can't just be, well, this is how my dad acted and I want you to be more like my dad or whatever, or my mom or whatever, you know, that sort of thing. It's got to actually be a biblical fault to forgive. So hope that helps, but I think you're right, Cheryl, counseling, getting the things more out in the open of what's the details of why the accusations keep coming. Good. Uh, So what is the church's stance on fertility treatments like IUI? 
Yeah, um, this one came in before the podcast. We looked mm. it up. I think that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to do what you got to do. I mean, do. if there's medical help for for you being able to produce children, I mean, why not? We get help medically in all other areas all in other our lives. Areas. Why not? You know? That's good. We are we are not the we're pro life. <laughs> we're pro life, absolutely, right. and we are not anti vaccine people, which means we don't. You know, if the vaccine's there, get it. <laughs> so we're not going to sit here and be conspiracy theorists about that. There's a lot of people out in some sector sectors of American society that say the vaccines are leading to all kinds of other problems. I don't believe that garbage. Doctors and medical research has been a very great help to the human race. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go get it. Have kids. But make sure that you're married and there you go. <laughs> you're Christians. Right, yeah. Make sure you're married, of course. If you're not a Christian, that's a good question, though. If you're not a Christian, should you should you seek this out? Or if you're married to a non-Christian, should you seek this out? I'm not sure. I mean, I don't know if I would encourage married and people who are married to non-believers to have babies sure. if they're not naturally having babies. I mean, I wouldn't personally say that. Now, that's not. I'm not giving you a biblical reference for that. That's my personal opinion. Mm. Because I think that children struggle. And Sherilyn, you and I have seen this. They struggle in those mixed marriages when it comes to faith. Right. Oh, faith. faith. Okay. Faith yeah. mixed marriage. Yeah. Racial intermarriage is a non-issue. No, yeah, I mean, that's... <laughs> no. But mixed marriage when it comes to faith is... But you're saying you have to be married to have the baby, yeah. so be of married course. before you... Yeah. Okay. Just making okay. sure. Next question. So, what if you're a woman but tend to think more like a man? I have no problem submitting to my husband, but we both tend to think the opposite of the gender stereotypes. My husband has very strong female ways of thinking, and I have some very strong male ways of thinking. Is that wrong? Cheryl? You first. Uh, Well, let's see. (laughs) She thinks Um, more like a man. He thinks more like a woman. Well, you know, if if you're talking about, like, roles or... um, What did we say earlier? Because we were talking about this question. Feelings? No, not roles? feelings. Roles. Like so. In other words, like you know. Oh, if she takes more initiative. Initiative, like paying the bills or running the household yeah. or things like that. Um, if it works for you, if like yeah. if it's a stay-at-home dad or whatever, that's working, and you're both being kind to each other, and obviously still um, following God's mandate for your lives and. Yeah, you, you you answer better. Well, I think that what I would just say is that submission does not mean that the man has to lead in every area. Right. Ultimately, great leaders lead leaders. I think the best leaders in organizations make other people leaders of their respective, you know, parts of the organization. So a woman might be the better financial person in the marriage. That does not mean the man's not the leader. She's just leading that portion of the marriage. And I think that's what you were referring to. Yes. So whatever she does take initiative and she leads well with, she should do. Right. This is not, so there's not like male, males have to do X, Y, and Z. Females have to do A, B, and C. No, you got to make it work. Uh, but at the end of the day, there's headship. Headship, again, remember, I talked about this on Sunday, which is this, it's for security. Your job as a male is to make her feel secure, uh, to make sure that she is uh, empowered and then thirdly, to make sure that she, you are taking responsibility for her. So she might be the better initiator. She might be the better career person. She might be the better teacher of children, of the gospel. Your job as a male, as a husband, is to empower that, not feel like, wait, nope, that's my role. No, Cheryl just said that too. It's not about roles. It's about what are you good at finding that and making it work for yourself. But also, I just want to say that as a, as a woman, you have to be very careful that you don't emasculate your husband. And become the domineering, Very good. the domineering um, 
Yeah. You know. Presence. Exactly. Because that's that's a common trait. We have seen that as Mm -hmm. pastors in the church for years. We've seen women that just dominate their man uh, in terrible ways. Right. And then when they want them to step up, they're nowhere to be found because they've emasculated them so much that they just... Yeah, years of emasculation has robbed them of the confidence that he needs. And that's why you talked about this on Sunday. Respect is to think admirably of someone. Mm Mm-hmm. And to praise them for their talents. Now, we had a good laugh about this with the, you know, my, my addiction to praise. But it's definitely empowering to a man for a woman, regardless of what he's good at and not good at, find what he's good at and praise him for it. And he will take ownership of that and he will become better at it. It's just a fact. Right. It's just a fact. I agree. So this just in, actually, uh, kind of going off that, but is there a biblical basis for the woman to take the last name of her husband once married? There's no a biblical it, basis. Yeah, well, the biblical basis is, um, I guess you could say there's no thus thou shalt take the last name of your husband sure. <laughs> commandment in the scripture, but what you see is patriarchy in the Bible is admonished. Uh, it is encouraged in the scriptures. Patriarchy today has a bad connotation because we have uh, demonized uh, males in our country, mm-hmm. in our country, in our culture, and Cheryl, you can, as a woman, to hear it coming from you, agreement about that is so important for women, because we're getting this one-sided argument: men are the problem, men are the problem, men are the problem. Mm-hmm. And then we even said this on Sunday: is that we are trying to expect women and men to be equal, and the standard we measure women by is men. So we want men to be more like ladies, and we want women to be more like men. And it's like we're so what we've done is we've created patriarchy is evil. No, it's not evil. It's actually very good. Uh, and Jesus' geneal- genealogies are measured both uh, in Matthew and Luke through the males of the lineage. Now, the reason why is because ultimately the final father is God. Yeah. He is our father. Now, there is a great video, and I don't usually promote other websites, but I'm going to do right now. And I just tweeted about this yesterday. PragerU.org. PragerU.org. Go and watch their latest video. Just came out. Why is God a He? And Dennis Prager, he's a he's a Jew. He's not a Christian, but he's you know a biblical Jew, and he just did a fantastic job unpacking why it's important that God is associated with a He. Because in our generation, well, not in our generation, in every generation, males are by far the most responsible for violence in a culture. Yeah. And what he says is, mm-hmm. when you identify God with all power and all authority as a he, and then you see that this God of the Bible, who is identified as a he, is compassionate, loving, giving, laying down his life, sacrificial. Um, You have a model for what a man should be. And who wouldn't want that kind of man in their lives? To have power and authority, but not to domineer and destroy and devalue who he has power and authority over but rather to care for, love, and encourage. So I don't see it like, I don't think you're going to break the biblical laws if you don't take the husband's last name, but I think, I think why are you doing that? Maybe well, you're it's also, it, I mean, it's, it, following the biblical um, scripture where it says the two shall become one, that's also just an outward way of saying we're going to become one. Mm. We're sealing each other by taking on each, that's you know, right. sharing a name. Yeah, and you're, taking, and you're saying that this man I'm believing in yeah. You're saying, I believe that this man is good, and I, and I want to take on his name. I love him. Now, in, now, again, 
from week one of our marriage series, which I encourage you to watch, because I talked about the fact that the marriage between a man and a woman is a physical picture of our relationship as the church to Christ. Church is the bride, Christ is the bridegroom. Well, we take on his name That's right. before the Father. And by taking on a name, you're taking on our reputation. So names in Scripture is not about just what a name is. It's about the reputation of that person. It's about the character of that person. And so when we come to the Father in Jesus' name, we are coming to the Father in the character and reputation of Jesus. So it's actually more backed up, I think, even more so in the Bible by saying, look, take on the name because you are actually more, you, you've got a concern with yourself with taking on the reputation of the picture of uh, the church's relationship to Jesus, and the picture of that on the earth is a male and female marriage. And when the woman takes on the name, she's backing that up. Yeah. She's backing that theological precept up. Uh, if you have a problem with not do, with doing that, I, I don't know what's going on there. I think you should love and trust your husband. Cheryl? Unless the name is Hatch. <laughs> <laughs> You're lucky. That's, that's a good name right there. It comes from the old English for hatchet. I'm just kidding. I like the name. Thank you. <laughs> next question. So I'm going to combine two in this next one. Uh, so bear with me. I'm going to read the first one in a second. Hi, I am wondering if Pastor Tim and Cheryl can possibly answer or discuss what do you do if you're uh, just not in love with your spouse anymore? Mm. So what do you do if you're not in love with your spouse anymore? And also, in reference to your marriage series this weekend, how does one go from a camel to a kitten? <laughs> <laughs> so maybe you could answer okay. that in reference let's, to the first yeah. part. Let's put a pin in that second one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> because it does have something to do with the first one. But let's talk about the first question, which okay. is, what do we do when we're not, quote unquote, in love anymore? Cheryl, this is good for you. Come oh, on. Oh, gosh. You know you want to okay. answer this one. <laughs> well, like, um, you know, when you get married, it's not, you, you're, it's a covenant. This is what we talked about on Sunday. It's not a contract. So um, being in love is not a feeling it's something that you have to work on it's it's an action and we was you know we we um talked about this one earlier too and uh well love is not a feeling love is not a feeling it so, is a decision it is a promise yeah god is not in love with us and that sounds shocking to some people but this is our high emotionally value society where everything is an emotion I don't feel in love. The term in love. We even talked about that. We hate right. that term. Yeah. Yeah. Have we been in love all of our marriage? No. No. <laughs> Thank you for your honesty. It was actually kind of shocking well, no, how quick we, she said that. I think what people associate in love with is that feeling that you get when that you're, euphoria. you know, you, when you're dating somebody, you get that feeling. And I mean, that is going to fade as life goes on and you have kids and life gets real. Yeah. You're not going to feel that all the time. I mean... I'll if tell you, you do, you really hit the jackpot. I'm I telling know. you. A poopy diaper can really remove that in love feeling yeah. quickly. Uh, three poopy diapers when you got three little ones who are very young <laughs> running right. around the house. So in love is, is, I call it Hollywood terminology, which is stuff that you see in the movies, which is just <clears throat> fictional. Like, I'm all for you watching movies, but please remember, they're fictional. Yeah. Even the ones that are based on a true story usually say they are based on a true story. And then you go and look up the true story and it's like hardly what it was when you see the movie. So be careful about adapting fictional properties, fictional realities, and putting them in real life. Well, we also talked about this on Sunday or over the weekend um, where people post their highlights mm. of their in-love mm. marriages or their in-love relationships and you see all the most romantic moments, but 
let's be honest. That's like it's fleeting. Few and, few and far between. Yeah. And it doesn't happen all the time. And and then you what you do is you compare yourself, your marriage, and you're like, oh well. Where's the spark? I'm not treated like that. I'm not, you yep. know, we're not in love. Right. And you're going to do things for your spouse when you don't love them. And the sooner that you can get to that point, when you don't feel like doing it, which is what I meant by that, when you don't feel love for them, you're still going to do what you should do because that's loving toward them. And the sooner that you can get to that point, the better off that you are in the long term. And also the scriptures talk about what love is. Love is patient, love is kind, mm, it's enduring, it's long right. suffering. So if you're not doing any of those things, yeah. work on doing those things so that's that right. you can love the person and not and nowhere, necessarily And nowhere in that text that you just quoted, 1 Corinthians 13, does it say love feels. It feels. Yeah, love does not have <laughs> your yeah, your feelings don't have an no. IQ. Ooh, that was good, Cheryl. Ooh, that was good. That'll preach. Because it's true, because we say at the end of the passage, Paul says, love believes all things, endures mm-hmm. all things, hopes all things. It doesn't say feels all things. Yeah. Right. So I don't like the, inter- the, love, and, the in love term. I yeah, hate that And term. once again, if we treat it like a contract, then as soon as you are wronged or mistreated or... Or your feelings fade. Feelings get hurt, then all of a sudden the love fades. Yeah. Wrong. Or the feelings fade. No. Or the in love fades. And I said this in week one. I said, that what, what do you call a person who learns how to do what they don't feel like doing? You call that person an adult. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So as soon as you do stuff that you don't feel like it, yay. I mean, we don't always feel in love with our kids. No. But you have to endure with them. Right. You have to, you know, sometimes you, you feel frustrated. Sometimes you feel angry. Sometimes you feel hurt. But that's... You know, a great passage to look at, too, is John 3.16, perhaps the most well-known Bible verse. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Do you know the word so is, so is very important, so important, is important to understand because the word so in the Greek is not a, quantita- a qualitative uh, word. It is a quantitative ver- verb or, or uh, adjective. In other words, it, it's not saying God so helplessly loved the world. In other words, his love was so wonderful for the world. No, no, no. It's God so loved the world. In this way, God loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. Meaning, his love is sacrifice. action. Yes, and sacrifice. And the act, sacrifice is the action. So God, this is how God so loved the world. Not God so much loved the world that he just couldn't help himself and he gave up his son. No. God loved the world in this way. He gave his son, and it was a demonstration of love. It was not a feeling of love. Mm-hmm. So camel Long answer. sex kitten. Oh, back to the camel and sex kitten. How did we get to- I'm not answering that. Well, I think we fought through a lot of things. you got to fight through things. And when it comes to fighting in a marriage, you're going to fight. Well, also, let's be honest, you go through stages in life. I mean, when you're... Yeah, but wait, wait. Let me. You, I understand where you're going there, but let me just stay with this for a second because there's going to be fights about this and the fights are going to be good so long as you are fighting for the marriage, not fighting in the marriage. I'm fighting with you because I care about us being united. And a lot of people, either the male or the female, want more sex out of the marriage. And if you don't fight for it... Uh, you're not fighting for your marriage. You're just, you might be, um, you might give up and then you might find sexual fulfillment in other options, which in America, there are a plethora of other options and it will hurt your marriage. Mm-hmm. So fight, fight for sex and um, to be honest with each other and tell each other that you need it, want it, whatever, and fight it out. And hopefully it will resolve. But now you go to what you were saying. 
What was I saying? What were you saying? I'm sorry I cut you off like that. But what oh, you I was. Stages. He's talking about stages. Yes. Yeah, the stages. I mean, uh, there are going to be different stages in your in your sex life, obviously, because when you have when you first get married and yeah. you have no distractions, no kids. Mm-hmm. Wahoo. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but then when you have kids, it's going to change, yeah. and you can't just and young you know, kids, right? And that's then, just natural. Yeah. It's going to happen. And and when you have those young kids, you're so tired at the end of the day. You were tired. I was tired. <laughs> I believe me, I was tired. I was tired many a day. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so to go off that, to go off that uh, that thought, I've been uh, married. Uh, I'm married to a non-believer for over 20 years, and there's very little intimacy left. Are husbands and wives biblically obligated to provide sexual companionship to each other? Yes. Husbands mm-hmm. and wives, but one's a non-believer. Well, I mean, regardless of the non-believer status, uh, marriage, uh, married partners, according to the Bible, are there, each, each other's body belongs to the other person. So it's not... This is my body you, don't, you can't touch. No, no, I gave you my body, and she gave me her body. And that's marriage. Mm-hmm. Marriage is to give yourself to the other. Covenant. So 1 Corinthians 7 um, unpacks that. It's the, you cannot deprive each other because right. you will be tempted. That's the other thing. Like all these Christian ladies who want to deprive their Christian husbands because there's this idea for Christian ladies that my husband, because he's a Christian, is bound to fidelity because he's a Christian. And Cheryl, mm-hmm. I always say this about Cheryl. Cheryl could have two, actually. She has the double portion of that excuse. She could say, not only is my husband a Christian, but he's a pastor. So he is doubly tied to fidelity. <laughs> You're the one that said this before. But, you know, the thing about it is, is that that's such a terrible non-biblical mindset because the Bible actually tells us in plain terms that when you deny each other sex, you are causing the other person to be tempted and in lust outside of the marriage. Yeah. And so it's your fault. This, we, as Christians, we are famous for doing this. We are famous for sanitizing marriage or, san- um, what do you call it, hallmark carding marriage. So marriage is not really about sex as a Christian. It's about spiritual connection. Nope, it's about sex. It's about sex. You've got to have sex with them uh, and so on and so forth. Uh, it's not all about sex, but there's a big part about it that is about sex. But go mm-hmm. on. What no, I agree. Say? Yeah. So, uh, uh, but when it comes to that person who's married to the non-Christian, my again, you got to fight it out. You got to tell them, and and I know you can't go to the Bible because they're not a Christian, right? But you could tell them, listen, I struggle. If you don't, if you don't have sex with me, I'm going to struggle, and you're probably struggling. I don't know, maybe you're not struggling, but I am. So be honest with them. I will struggle with lust if you don't have sex. If we don't have sex more often, I will struggle with lust. I will struggle with you know sexual outside sex outside of marriage. Whatever, you got to be honest. And I thought I think a lot of times in marriage we don't want to say what we should say. You mm-hmm. just say it. Cheryl and I, oh, we've I never had that problem. We've always, we've probably well, said too much of what we yeah. should <laughs> say. All right, go on. Maybe this next question will help people with that, but is taking medications for sexual arousal wrong? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. Sexual, you mean? Arousal. Yeah, you know, I, I think like, of Viagra or there's vitamins to help with sexual arousal. Well, Viagra is not about arousal, actually. That's, okay. a, that's a misnomer. Oh. And... Um, that's uh, I. This question came in beforehand too, mm. so it's not a an arousal medication. Like it's testosterone a, um, and things. It's yeah, a, it's, it's a like blood a supplement flow. type of a thing, not a supplement, yeah. but but it controls the blood flow. So I won't go too into detail. That you get it, you know. What I'm yeah. Saying? So something that would affect arousal is that okay? Well, if to it's going to help your marriage and it's yeah, I think it's fine. Okay. Legally, yeah, and purely. Don't I go mean, getting steroids because they're damaging to no. you. No. 
But the thing about, there's other things that can naturally arouse sexual desire. Like foods and stuff. Foods, yeah. <laughs> but I, I, but I was just getting to like the more basics of kind words. Um, yeah. Gentle touches without like just going straight to the se- private parts. Um, you know, just being like, no, being affectionate towards each other can stimulate yeah. arousal. The other day, we just kissed one time. What are and you talking about? It's tr- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go there. We kissed. And it was just a nice, soft kiss. And it it just starts to get the blood flowing in that direction. And it could do it. You, you guys got to learn how to be affectionate without always having to be going to straight to the goal of sex. Because I think that the affection itself um, starts to stimulate that desire for one another. And then when you do come together, it's more natural because you've done the seed sowing of natural arousal. So before you just go straight to the doctor and get your meds, maybe try the natural you know, the the herbal, quote unquote. But I think <laughs> that person is probably implying that they're maybe older and yeah, you know, struggle and, uh, in that. So you I don't have to feel like that's a sin or No, you don't have bad. to feel like that's a sin. No. No. And it's true that male testosterone levels uh, after 40 uh, dissipate precipitously. And there's nothing wrong with and women. keeping your sex life alive. What happens by to that. women? Yeah. Oh, it does? I didn't I'm know sure that. it does. Yeah. You know, as you age, I'm not speaking your hormone... For sure. Levels. Well, there's color. always that myth. I, I heard growing up, you know, a guy uh, sexually peaks around 18 and a woman around 40. Mm. That's been thrown out there. I don't know. If I don't know. I think everybody's truth. a bit different. And I think that um, your context and the conditions of your life have a lot to do with that. So if you were... Be you healthy. Know, be healthy. But if you were sexually abused as a child, oh. that has something... To, that has a lot to do with your sexual drive in marriage. There's some people, they've never been honest. They've never worked it out with their spouse about this is what happened to me and it might be because of shame fear um or you just are so private you couldn't imagine sharing that but maybe talking that out or maybe not even with your spouse but with a counselor talking it out and working through those issues because that can also do a lot of damage about someone's uh, towards to someone's sex life later on in life mm-hmm. so let's switch it up a little bit uh in no yes how should i as a step parent lead stepchildren if my wife tells me at times they have a real father Mm. it's tough yeah that's a tough one yeah this is why second marriages are very difficult and uh, the divorce rate is so much higher yeah 70% 70% Uh, okay so woman this is the male's question the husband's asking this question how should I as a step yes yes okay so he's asking he's a stepfather What should I do when she says they have a real father? They have a real father. If she's a Christian, um, she's got to do a lot better with in terms of respect for him. Yeah, that sounds disrespectful to me. Yeah, Uh, he has now taken you and your children that you brought into this marriage into his life. So there has to be a greater deal of respect for that action on his part. He didn't just marry you now; he married you and this other guy's kids. Right, and that's gonna be. A constant source of friction, unfortunately, but you've got to handle that which, with a heck of a lot more respect. I'm talking to the woman now, but with the man, um, advice there, Cheryl, yeah, with yeah. that? Oh, I don't know. This, yeah, yeah, that is a difficult one because we see a lot of that um, in second marriages where the kids will become a source of contention. It's just, you yeah. know. You know, and if you're the man, what, when when does she say that to you? So she says they got a real father. So what are you doing when she says that? Yeah. Uh, maybe, and if you've had kids before, if you haven't had kids before, maybe you need to learn 
Maybe you need to th- okay. So how? Maybe you need to sit her down and say, how can I handle this situation better from your point of view? Because I want to be the best stepfather that these par- that these kids can have. So what am I doing that makes you say that? Sure. That's wrong. And if you can have a conversation around that, it will be, it it will empower him to be better. You, sir, to be better, and it will be, uh, it will also empower you to show her that you care about being a better stepfather uh, to that child. But this is always going to be a, a challenging situation. And at the end of the day, you two are married. You two are united. And the, parent, and the kid's situation is always going to be there, but it's going to dissipate as they get older. Right. Well, when she's saying, also when she's saying that they have a real father, what is she saying? That, yeah, that's is that an attack? Or is that just saying, well, they do have a biological father. You don't have to worry about disciplining them. They have oh, that. Oh, yeah, she might be you saying know, that. Um, it, just, it sounds like it's it heat of the moment. Like it's heat yeah. of the moment. Uh, emotional yeah. response. Right, and it is. It's, you know, we know people that have these blended families that... Um, they don't want the other, the other spouse to discipline their kids, yeah. and that's something you have to work out right from the very beginning. But he has to be empowered to discipline. Yeah, he the does children. have to. Well, and you, yes, he does. He has to be empowered to discipline the children. And you, man, you, sir, in the situation, have got to tell her you want to do better with her in this. You understand that you're coming out from an outsider's perspective into the situation, and if you can just have that conversation and humble yourself and say, "I need to be." A disciplinarian for these children. I want to be the kind of disciplinarian they need. They're new to me. They're not new to you. What works with them? What works with them? Don't you think that that would help if you would just have that conversation? I think that that would help. I think that would go a long way. But when she comes at you disrespecting you in that in that heat of the moment statement, the Bible tells us, do not repay evil with evil. Right. Repay it with good. And the good that you repay it with is, okay, I want to do better. I understand, but but we're we're married, and for better or for worse now, and let's see how we can make it better. And I'm willing to set aside some of my priorities for the sake of these kids. Yeah, in that situation. Good. So yeah. going off of marriage and divorce, if you're divorced and remarried, and you come to Christ, the Bible says that you're sinning according to the Scripture. Should you leave your spouse in order to be in order with the Scripture? So it sounds like. They were both uh, on their second marriage. Then they came to Christ. Should they get divorced? No. no. That's like madness. <laughs> Two wrongs don't make a right. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's one, there's a couple of reasons for divorce biblically. Sexual in- immorality, so adultery. Abandonment, uh, 1 Corinthians 7. Uh, and then I don't think we have to go to a specific Bible verse because you said this on Sunday, Cheryl, that uh, you know submission is not being bossed around or beaten, abused. Abused. Look, there's plenty of Bible verses that talk about that. So if that's happening, you got to get out, and you, you have every biblical mandate to get out. Um, but if you got divorced and you're remarried and you came to Christ after your remarriage, you are one in the Spirit now with the with the Holy Spirit right. and with with each other. So again, uh, on divorce. Um, My spouse and I have been divorced for four years. I made a lot of bad decisions, but then I came to Christ. Uh, I wish I had a relationship with God and Jesus when I was still married. Do you think marriages that have ended can can be and should be reconciled? Yes. So should they try to get back together since? Yes, and we've we've seen it happen. If both have are saved. Yeah. Well, even if they're not saved. Even if they're not saved. But if the, if the unsaved person willing. is willing to stay with the saved person, Paul says, right. Right. stay. But you do also don't want to enter into a, a marriage that had a lot of issues that were unresolved if the person isn't saved. And 
now you're getting back together and you're going to deal with all those same issues and then possibly end up getting divorced again. I don't know if that's wise. Yeah, but I don't I've know. I've seen that. I don't know if what you said is biblical. So I'm just going to give you the biblical answer, which is no, if they, I know. If they <laughs> are willing <laughs> to right. get if back together. If they're willing, then they're willing right. to put their work into it. Yeah. But if you're already divorced, uh, you know, I'm not going to say you have, thus saith the Lord there. Right. Cheryl's words do apply there. But I'm just thinking out loud in my head to say, you got divorced, then you came to Christ. Should I get back together with them? Yeah, there's there could be a chance that if you get back together with them and you do Christ yeah, with they them, could, you could win them, you to, could the win them to the Lord. Mm. And the Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 7, lots of stuff about marriage in there. The saved spouse sanctifies the whole house. Right. Okay? That's a, it rhymed. <laughs> but what it means is, um, you know, if you're married to non-believer and then you have kids, your Christianity, your your being saved brings that family into a special place before God. Mm-hmm. Now, your kids do not get to heaven without personally coming to Christ. That's not, we're not, you know, you don't, you don't get grandfathered. Nobody gets grandfathered into Christ. But you do have an opportunity to say, I'm going to make this marriage sanctified through my Christian witness in it. And I think that Christians who are in that situation have to realize you have a tremendous calling in that difficult situation. Difficult situations are, 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 are challenging, but they're not necessarily evil. They are opportunities for good to triumph over that challenging situation. And you got to see it that way. I think you got to see it that way. Yeah. So more divorce. Uh, we've been together for 20 years and married. My husband is often talking about filing for divorce. He's threatened divorce previously, but has never talked to a lawyer. But he has this time. Uh, he's still living at the home, and he's starting to act differently towards me. How can I help him see our marriage and family is worth saving? How can I get him to want to work it out? Hmm. Cheryl, I've been doing a lot of talking. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, first of this all, is a woman. like, well, but, we don't know if they're believers. Uh, we can assume, but it doesn't right. say. Uh, I mean, first of all, like we said earlier, you you know, you, we're just working with minimal information. Information. Mm. Um, so it's hard to totally to give a you know a good answer for that, but but she's um, asking what can I do to make right. him feel? You can't necessarily change him. No, by force. But you can start right. changing yourself. Yes, and start changing the trajectory of your marriage. I mean, there's never no hope. There's always hope. There's hope, and you can pray. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Philippians four eight is for you today. Uh, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. Here's a simple thing you could do is you could get into a small group at Waters Church and you can talk to somebody who you develop a relationship with and ask them to pray with you. Yeah. Yeah. The scriptures talk about this, that any two of you binding things on earth shall be bound in heaven. Well, um, or agreeing together about something on earth shall be done for them in heaven. Well, I know what that scripture is talking about when it comes to church discipline. But the, the other thing is that there's just an agreement in prayer there for I believe that the, the mouths of two witnesses, things are established. These passages are are clear that there is a power to corporate prayer or you know um, unified prayer with more than one person. So do you have somebody that you pray over this marriage with? Come to the altar at the end of our services. A lot of people, and I'm talking to a lot of people at church, we give you opportunity to come for prayer at the end of every service. Many of you scoot for the door because you want to get your kids, you want to get to lunch, or you want to get to dinner as quickly as possible. Well, you know what? Some of you are going some, through some serious trouble and you refuse to come to God for help. 
why don't you humble yourself and come down and get prayer at the altar? Yeah. That's what it's there for. Stop acting like you have to have it all together when you come to church. The church is a hospital for sick mm-hmm. people. It is not a museum for finished products. And we see this all the time. I mean, we, we offer prayer and sometimes nobody comes. And I'm, I know, I know beyond the shadow of a doubt oh, yeah. that there's no way everybody in that room is good. <laughs> there's just no, no way. Yeah. What the problem is, and, and this is another thing about our services on Sunday, a lot of people leave while we're closing the services. What are you doing? That's the moment that you have to pray, come for prayer. You wanna, you're want to? you worried about getting your kids out early so you can go out and eat. Sure. Well, I think Knock that people, off. I think that people, <laughs> yeah. too, struggle with feeling embarrassed and maybe even guilt. And yeah, but really it comes down to pride. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Self-sufficiency. Or, or, you know, alone or not... Yeah. able to really yeah. share what they're, what's, what they're going through. And that's why we have it. That's why we have prayer. That's why we have small groups, because I think that this is something that you got to pray about. You can't, you could possibly do everything that you're supposed to do as a woman to make him feel like the marriage is worth saving, but at the end of the day, your best efforts fail, and that's where we need the God of miracles to step in and do something in someone's heart. So lift up your husband's heart to the Lord yeah. and pray for yeah. him. This one might even be for me, but I'll see what you say. Do you think um, do you think it's too soon to let a person you're dating know that you will not have sex until you're married? Because I've found that, and this is from a woman, because I've found that Christian men try to have sex before marriage, and, I, and I've been told it's too soon to let them know on the first date, but I figure I want to be honest. I don't mean the minute we sit down to have dinner, but I figure if you're going to discuss who you want to be in a relationship... <laughs> Uh, should you know, should you get to know them first or should you just let it be known? Sure. I think you should let it be known. Absolutely. Right off the bat. Right off the bat. I mean, well, because then you're going to weed somebody out right away. Who's Mm -hmm. only for that. Yeah. Hey, and you don't have to say uh, over hors d'oeuvres. No, (laughs) no. But I mean, right from the very beginning, let the person know, don't lead them on either. I mean, that's the other problem. I mean, I think girls give a very deceiving, you know, Presentation. Um, presentation mm-hmm. of themselves. Mm-hmm. And then these guys. You know, when you have the hypersexualized poses on your social media account, and then yeah. the right. guy and thinks, then the guy, and, and you know, Christian is a very loose term as well. Very loose term. So. I've uh, lost a lot of girlfriends this way. Yeah, you know about yeah. that. <laughs> no, I have. So tell us your story about that. I mean, well, tell us your thoughts. I mean, I've said it from the stage. So I've had people watch messages I, that I've given. And, oh, I didn't know that about you. And I'm like, oh, you don't know that a Christian man would do this. And I've had the discussion. And I've had people actually take it as a challenge. Yeah. And I might date them for a few weeks until they realize they're not going to break that. And uh, then they break up with me. I know I've seen that so, happen with you, and yeah. it's just a, it's just a testimony to the Lord's work in your life. Yes, because a natural man does not do that. And just fair warning, ladies, Christian ladies, if a Christian is asking you for sex, he's not a Christian. He's not, yeah. well, he's not, he's not acting like not a Christian. Not acting like a Christian. No. I mean, you got to be. You gotta, this that's a great like litmus test. If he is a professing Christian, and he wants to violate you, because that's what he's doing. Yes, he's violating you. By having sex with you without a ring, without a without a commitment, without a covenant, covenant. Okay, he is violating. He is disrespecting you. He is using you. Uh, man needs sex. Uh, he w- desperately wants sex. He will do almost anything to get sex in many respects, especially when he's a young man. And if he's going to use you for sex as a Christian, run for your life. Run for your life. Yeah. Right. Now, as to when you say it, discretion. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. say it like as he's asking you out uh, or as you're having Well, I think that you're, um, you're, you sh- it should speak for itself by the way you 
um, present yourself. Present yeah. yourself, and I mean, they should already kind of know your character before you even start getting yeah, but into today, a deep relationship. But I understand the question though, because today it is so questionable with Christians. Christians act just like the world; they act just like non-Christians right. in regards well, to their sex life. Well, that's where it comes to your as a Christian woman. That's where your discernment comes into play. I yeah. mean, pick pick the right types of guys. Where are you meeting these guys? I know that's true. That's, a good, that's you know, a good I mean, question. a lot of these girls that go on to I know that I'm sure I go on to these dating sites, but you know. Christian mingle. The swipe white, swipe right kind of yeah. sites. The what is it called? Tinder? Where you I don't where know. you swipe right I've if you want to meet never them. Been on there. Yeah. Well, neither have I, but I've heard about it. I, I don't have either. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, there's a lot of them. Where are you so. meeting the guy is a great point. Yeah, that's good. Come to church, meet him in small group. And and yeah. But even there sometimes yeah, be but even too. there sometimes there's some wise. pretenders. You gotta be wise. You gotta ask the Lord for discernment and you gotta say it. And I think that if you feel the need to say it, you should probably say it. But yeah, listen too, good. what you what you get them with is what you got to keep them with. Amen. So why are you trying to, you know? Yeah, don't lead, mislead them. Oh my gosh, that is so good, Cheryl, because it's so true. What you get them with, you keep them with. And if you're getting them yeah. with sexuality, you got to keep them with sexuality. And that's that's a, that's a trap. Yeah, that is good. Yeah. Uh, so, Pastor Tim, why are you so against the Me Too movement? <laughs> <laughs> so says this person. Okay, I'm not against the Me Too there you movement. Go. Um, I, what I said, and I know where this question is coming from, mm. I said in the message that the same people who in the 1960s in this country said, take your pants off, meaning just have sex with whoever you feel like having sex because that's, that's the sexual revolution, baby, freedom, woohoo. Now those people, 50 years later, 60 years later, are now telling us to put our pants back on. They made a horrible mistake, and that's why we have the Me Too movement. Now, if you take me to say the Me Too movement is bad by saying that, then you have a hard time hearing. <laughs> okay, mm. I did not say it's bad. The Me Too movie is bad. No, it's probably very necessary for these women to speak up and say, this happened to me. But let's just be honest. The reason why, in large part, sexual abuse is such a problem today is because of the secularizers and the progressives in our culture who want to cast off Christian underpinnings of our society. They want to cast off traditional marriage. They want to cast off uh, marriage for life with no-fault divorce. They want to cast off sex saved until marriage. Cast off these horrible, antiquated, Victorian rele relegations. Cast them off. Okay, well, now we're living with the consequences. And one of the consequences is we have women saying, me too. I'm not saying that's bad. I'm saying that's good. But the problem that we had, it would not need to be said if we controlled ourselves and were more bound to the scriptural principles. Me too is a result of, it's a result leaving, of the Christian values. leaving the Christian values. Right. Yes. And there's no doubt about it. Sexual abuse has skyrocketed since the 1960s yeah. in this country. Mm. Uh, so is it okay for Christian couple to get their wedding rings tattooed? Of course. Leviticus? Yes. You want <laughs> yeah. tattoo? We always get a tattoo question. But yeah. yeah. Um, so here we go. Is, is it wrong for a husband and wife to keep their finances separate? For instance... Uh, different bank accounts, and each is responsible for a different bill. So keeping their finances separate and each paying different bills. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, why are you asking that question? I know, you yeah. know, yeah. That's I, good. Question. I would ask why. What's going on there? Why do you want to keep it separate? Because I don't think that you should keep it completely separate. Like we should not have private accounts. 
me, between me and you, right? right? That I should know. Are you asking me or are you telling no, me? No, I'm saying that this okay. is our, we know that this is our agreement. This <laughs> I, is not I, I, shocking no, to great. you. I agree. We are on each other's accounts. We do have separate checking accounts that we have tied to our debit but, cards. But, you know, we both have, we know where our money is going. I do the groceries. I do this. I do that. But it's, it's our open. money together. Yeah. It's open. And you have to watch out for the, um, the temptation to guard your property. That's right, because that's what that's From the, the contract. Yes, that's contract. There you go, Cheryl. It's yeah. contract. It's I'm gonna protect my little private nest egg over here, and you ain't gonna have it because now a lot of times this happens in second marriages. Yes. Because when you're in your first marriage, typically you have nothing. Typically. Typically. Not, well, you're, you're young. You're young. You're starting right. with yeah. You're so starting off. The typical problem is that you get divorced or you have a second marriage. You for come in reason. with your own. You stuff come in already. with a lot more stuff. Yeah. So I gotta protect it. That's contract. Limiting my, limiting my, what, what did we say? Limiting my responsibilities and protecting, protecting my, my assets. Yeah. So you've got to surrender your responsibility, uh, uh, take up your responsibilities and surrender your assets and not keep things to yourself. This is covenant. I'm giving you fully to myself. I'm giving myself fully to you. and Well, it's also trusting. I mean, money is such a big issue with, um, you know, where your heart is. So you want to also be able to trust the, the other person. Yeah, and budgeting is good. So are you sitting down and saying, here's where money is going to go for uh, electric, for gas, for food, for clothing? And then at the end of the day, after we're all done budgeting, here's what we can do with the leftover for each other. And we say, because that's going to help you stop fighting about marriage, uh, money issues. Um, And then the other thing is that just um, the person said, if it's, did they say it's working? Is it working? Uh, They didn't ask if it's working. They just said, is it okay? Yeah. I think it's okay if you have each other on the accounts because sometimes that like for us like that's facebook. how it works well like facebook is uh, can you keep the person accountable right have their that's another example that's a, a similar example yes cheryl's on my accounts i'm on her accounts and we you know we but we have separate accounts tied to our debit cards for spending the money sure well they go different places they go different places but okay. they're together yeah so um, hope we answered that clearly yeah <laughs> I think so. pay the bills together well Financial peace starting in September. That's yes. right. Financial peace. Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey. How do you handle a marriage when the woman is the elder Christian in the marriage and the husband is still learning? How can women uh, bring up sen- sensitive topics regarding their sexual relationships that is non-existent? Wow, we have a lot of women with their sexual uh, issues. So respectful when it's conversations that need to be had between the couple. So the woman's the elder Christian and and the uh, the husband's new. How do you handle that? Yeah, this is a, you just said it and you're right. We've had two questions come in about the fact that the woman's not getting enough sex. Yeah. Cheryl. Well, it's unusual. It's not, not the common thread in marriages. Mm. So I would like to investigate a little bit what is going on. Is Mm -hmm. there something deeper there? Does the man struggling with, um, you know, testosterone issues? Um, Is there infidelity going on? Is there an issue with him being attracted to you? Now, I don't mean just only physically. I mean emotionally. Um, are you just being a mom? Remember we talked about that on yeah. over the weekend? Um, are you, are you letting your kids mom? sleep in your bed? Of course you're not going to have sex if your kids are in your bed. Yeah, And that's becoming a trend today. Kids in the bed, which I do not understand. Oh, no. 
This I, is modern. This is modernity here. Okay, this is like we are not in the ancient world, people. Well, we're not. We're not going to. You know, whatever works for you, as long as you're taking care of your husband's needs. I mean, or creating space for sex to happen. Exactly. And I, there's no space to, for sex to happen if the kids are in the bed with you. <laughs> okay. Well. Um, Hopefully not. Yeah, but the thing is, is there's a couple other. Th- th- Cheryl said it too. Watch out, ladies that you're not falling into the I'm only a mom role. He is bound to be uh, attracted to me simply because he promised to love me in marriage. Men, and now I'm speaking as a man, of course, but from a man's perspective, men are visually stimulated. There's no getting around that. They are predominantly visually stimulated. This is why by far men struggle with lust and pornography than women do. Not to say that women don't but it's by far more predominant mm-hmm. amongst males. So ladies, dress yourself up and get yourself in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in an attractive place for him because he is going to be attracted to you physically. Now, something brought, you to, brought him to you physically before. Now, have you just decided to just abdicate that? Like, you don't care? You got him now and he doesn't, he's, he doesn't need you to give him any effort there? Well, it's the, up, the other way around, remember? She's saying but she's that. saying she's not getting sex, right? Right. So she might not be getting sex because she's walking around in sweats all day. And right. <laughs> no, no, she's not actually doing anything sure. that beautifies herself for her husband. Yes, I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, I you can't do that. You just can't. No, I know. From a man's perspective, it's you're just asking for him to not be interested. He is now, you can hate that and you can say, that's not right. He shouldn't he should be attracted to me emotionally. God made us male and female. He yeah. made us different. Sorry is a fact. This mm-hmm. is how God made men. This is how God made women. There's the old joke. It's a very funny joke. I don't know if I want to share it because I want to share it from the weekend experience. Which I'll is, save it. No, no, no. It's good because the woman oh. locks the keys in the car and uh, the guy says, I don't get it with you. I don't understand how God could make someone so beautiful and so stupid at the same time. And he, she says, God made me beautiful so that you would marry me. God made me stupid so that I would marry you. You know, <laughs> great pastor joke. Um, but it's men are attracted to beauty, and they they it's just it is what it is. You can kick against it. You can fight God against it. Don't fight. Don't fight against me. Fight against God's way of making a man. Mm. So, uh, after being a single mother for the better part of six years, I am now married and struggling with the submission department. My husband is not a bad leader. I'm just so used to being the leader over my home that I have Mm. a hard time falling back. Mm. How can I start to be a better wife? So, she's used to being the dominant figure, you know. Recently yeah. married, how can she now? Well, start she's to used submit? to being independent and not have, and yeah. she's under the um, impression that her husband is going to dominate him, like we spoke over the weekend, that he's not there to do that. Yeah. Mm. You have to submit to God first and then to your husband. Yeah. Um, and if you are somebody who loves God, you will try to do that. <laughs> yeah. You got to, in what you said, Cheryl, on, on the weekend is in, uh, entirely true here. That your submission to your husband will be shaped by your submission to Christ. Uh, if you are used to being in control as a Christian, the word control or the phrase, I'm used to being in control, really is not a Christian mindset. Right. Because we are not in control. The, the, the foundation of our faith is in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You are a created being. You are not the master of your own universe. You are not the king of the world. And you are not in control. You are under the sovereign control of God in heaven. 
So you need to submit yourself to God in spirit and in life and learn how to do that even with your children. It sounds like you've, you've, you've fallen into the mantras of our age of it's my life and I'll do whatever I want with it. These are my kids and I, I will do what I need to do with them because I know it's right. Well, you don't. Well, you're, you, don't. you know you what? Need to you got to look at it from this perspective too. You, you, you're just hurting yourself and you're hurting your kids. Don't you want somebody to be there alongside of you as a helper, as mm-hmm. a as a partner, as, you know, giving, taking that away from them you, is is like isolating yourself. Yeah. You're saying, I'm not going to accept, you know, somebody to be there alongside me. Yeah, you got to learn to let go of what you think is yours. Yeah. And that's the process of discipleship. At the end of the day, we are control freaks by nature, and we need to learn how to let go of the things that we think, because we really don't control anything. That's the truth. You can't control your heartbeat right now. It could, it could stop right now. Uh, by God's grace, it won't. But the fact of the matter is, all of life teaches you this. You, you surrender and submit to the God who created you and made you, and then learn what he has to say for you. You know, Proverbs is the book of wisdom, and one of the great ironies of the book of wisdom is that the book of Proverbs keeps telling us about how fools um, think themselves wise, fools uh, reject wisdom, fools reject instruction, and that the key to wisdom is to actually admit that you're not wise. That's the great irony of the book of Proverbs. And a Christian needs to learn this. A Christian needs to learn, I don't have all the answers, and I must go to the one who does. Yeah. yeah. One. I think we got time for one more question. So this uh, last one that just came in, were you guys married while you were in college? My husband and I are a young married couple, just married September 2018. I'm in college, and I also work. I'm so tired by the end of the day and always have a ton of homework and deadlines. That being said, I have not been able to fulfill my duties as a wife when it comes to cooking and cleaning, and and I feel very guilty about this. I just Mm -hmm. don't have time or energy right now. Do you have any advice for me? Also, I want to add uh, that my husband is very supportive, but when I see how messy our house is and a lot of the cooking not being done, I feel awful. And... uh, and I feel like I'm failing him as a wife. Thoughts? Okay, Cheryl, do you want to go first? Oh. We, we, <laughs> were not, we were not married in college. Um, we were married after college. But the thing that we would say there is, I would say, first off, is uh, in no text of the Bible does it say it's a woman's job to cook and clean. Yeah, I was thinking <laughs> that when I read it. Okay, these are traditional roles that were picked up through the Industrial Revolution. The Industrial Revolution changed the American family. We're talking about this on Sunday. And it took, for the first time in American history anyway, the father left the home to go make the money and then came back. And so mom was left alone with the kids all day. And then that became her role to cook, clean, and do the housework. But in the ancient times and even in uh, pre-industrial age, revolution age uh, times, mom and dad pretty much did the same thing. They went to the farm and worked together. They went, or, they, or they made shoes together. Or they, you know, whatever, whatever the business was that they gained wealth through, they did together. So they were always doing stuff together with the kids, taking responsibility, shared roles. The Industrial Revolution completely obliterated that model. Now we are back to almost, we're almost back to pre-industrial revolution because a lot of people can work from home today. Yeah, that's good. The, the, one of the blessings of the internet is the connectivity that can keep dad at home instead of having, having him go an hour into the city and then come back an hour and he gets home at 6 p.m. So a lot of people can do this now again. And let's not fall into this mindset that the Bible says to the wife, thus thou shalt cook and clean and uh, do all right. those things when it doesn't say that. 
both of you have to take responsibility for the kids. Both of you have to take responsibility for the home. Both of you have to take responsibility for uh, the, the uh, provisions of the home. Shared responsibility. If you're more out of the house than he is, then maybe he needs to do those things more than you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if he's not, well, tell him that you need him to do that. And if he doesn't want to do that, well, then he needs to get a job and hire a maid. hire somebody that will do it because that's that's um you're putting too much pressure on yourself to think that you gotta go to work it sounds like she's going to work going to school and doing all that that's not right no would you have any i agree no i agree with that i think that it should be a shared responsibility you help me with that i do i mean she does lots more than i do at home that's true but i work more than she does at, at, at the church and she's uh, she goes home a little bit earlier, but we but have small kids. But that's also my thing. I, I don't mind doing it. it. I like to, and I would probably clean over him anyways if he tried to <laughs> You guys it. worked I'm it not out. Good. Yeah, she's a much <laughs> better cleaner than I am. Uh, but I do help, you know, and I'm going to jump in there and uh, help with laundry, help with uh, the dishes. The I don't do many things well. She does it much better than I do at home. But that's our situation. Yeah, that's just, that's just how we are. Yeah, you know, so... Sure. That's but that would I, that's what I would say. Hope that helps. And I do, but I do think it's important that women at least try to keep their homes clean oh, yeah. and at least try to do some of the cooking. I mean, don't abdicate from that completely just because you're tired or whatever. But you got to. What be would at you home. say? Now here's a good question for you, Cheryl. What would you say to the woman who is home and then still doesn't do those things? Oh my gosh. While the man works. No, you got to do that. You've got to take care of your home. Your home is your is. Think of it like this. This is the. Your husband's coming home from a long day of work. He doesn't want to come home to a mess. Um, Kids crying, screaming or whatever. And then no. That's too much pressure on him. That's That's way too much on him. Yeah. You need to love him and serve that in that area of the the marriage. Or if you can't do it, hire somebody if you can afford it. If you can afford it. But if you can't afford it, my gosh, what are you doing if you're home all day and you're not doing that kind of stuff? You know, what are you doing? I uh, I said on Sunday that um, young men, young single men, uh, plus lots of free time equals disaster. I think with our digital age and our social media age, the same can be said of women who can get on social media all day and post stupid little crap, like all day. They just post stupid crap all day on social media that <laughs> nobody cares about, but they have tons of time because they don't have a job. And then the house suffers and the work suffers. And then the husband comes home and he has to kind of do that too. Yikes. Yeah, that's yeah. not right. Not right. Mm-mm. Not right. Now, this is something that I think falls into the mindset of too many Christians that you have, and we have done this, we have um, devalued the role of a wife mother at home because of our modern age where men and women are you know, equal. They have to be equal today. Well, no, 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 they don't. They don't. And Christian moms and wives, there is value and great dignity in staying at home with the children and raising them and cleaning the house and preparing a home for your husband. There is great dignity in that. I want you to hear me say it because you will never hear anybody else say that. And your husband will appreciate it. And I think mm-hmm. your marriage will be better for it. I agree. That's good. I think uh, we got a lot of questions. Yeah, a lot of questions. It's been fun. Yeah. Sure, do you want to do this next week? No. <laughs> <laughs> it might just be me next week, but we'll see. We'll see if we can coax her into coming back because... It's been nice having you. Do you want to hear from Cheryl Hatch next week? Yes. Let us know in the comments down below. There we go. So so glad that you joined us. We went a little bit over the one hour mark, but we will be, maybe we, we, but definitely me, we'll be back here uh, with the question and answers on the deep end next weekend. See you then.